Hi, you've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a tailgate, and I want our style to stand out from the crowd. Just go to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's got all the latest fall styles. Plus, during Old Navy's colossal sale, you'll save up to 50% off store-wide. Did you say up to 50% off? I did, so don't sit on the sidelines. Old Navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks, stylish dresses from 15 bucks, and comfy tees for the family from just 6 bucks. Right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. We're cheering for Old Navy. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 10 to 1010. Select styles only. What you see is what you get from me. In this duck pond, leave me be. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. And today's Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Apron. Go to blueapron.com slash L-O-F-B to get yourself three free meals. My name is Josh Lloyd and you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. You can find me on Instagram at RedRock underscore B-Ball. And of course on Facebook at Facebook.com slash RedRockBasketball. What we're going to do today is what we do most days and that's to break down all the action from Monday's two NBA playoff games and then have a preview of Tuesday's action where there are three games on. So let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. We will start off with the uh, with the perfect DFS lineups. We'll start with Fangio there. We had uh, Jeff Teague starting things off. My name is Jeff. He had 32.8 points and Mike Conley had 38.7. Lance Stevenson, 25.4 at a nice cheap salary. And as usual, the shooting guards are always the cheaper guys you want to go for. Dan Green was the other shooting guard here. He only had 16.4, but he still finds his way into the uh, into the optimal or the perfect lineup. At small forward, it's where the big money was. LeBron James, 55.5, and Kawhi had 45.8. At power forward, it was Love at 44.7, and Thaddeus Young at 33.1. And center, Tristan Thompson, 18.5. Definitely not a big total, and he's not he's not even at 4x value there, but still fits in um, based on the way that the other, the other guys played out. And that's when you get a two-game slate. That's what happens with these low-scoring days. And this was low-scoring. That perfect lineup was 310.9, and that cost all $60,000. On DraftKings, we had Kyrie at 44.5. His salary was heaps cheaper over there, so he was always a smart option. Dan Green at 18.5. LeBron at 61.5. Zach Randolph at 38.5. Kevin Love, 49.25. Conley at 41.25. Lance Stevenson, 25.5. And, and Jim Ennis at 20.5 for a total, a perfect a perfect lineup total of 299.5, and that cost $49,900. Obviously, that is... A ridiculously low total, but again, that's what happens on these um, on these low low volume nights on these two game slates, and uh, when there weren't great value, I guess, in the playoffs. So just be be aware of that and and be ready to expect that sort of thing to happen through the rest of the NBA playoffs. All right. Time for me to tell you now about today's sponsor, and that is of course Blue Apron. If you don't know what Blue Apron is. 
Strap yourselves in, you're about to find out, because Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service right across the United States. So what do they do? Well, you've heard me talk about Blue Apron before. What they do, it's a, it's a food delivery service, but it's not prepackaged food. It's not here to stick this packet in a microwave and warm it up. No, Blue Apron sources you the freshest and the best ingredients for you to make your own meals. Beautiful restaurant quality meals cooked in your own kitchen by yourself, of course, or by your partner, or by your family, or by your kids. You can get anyone to cook this stuff. The recipes they provide are detailed, but they're not simple, but they're detailed enough that anybody can do it. And the food, the quality of the food that Blue Apron provides is, is absolutely fantastic. So for you, you guys who might struggle to um, cook great meals at home, Blue Apron's the way to go, and it's economical. You can get restaurant-quality meals for under $10 per person. Cooking together at home, whether it's you know with with your partner, with your with your parents, with your kids, it's a great way to to share an experience and learn new skills. And Blue Apron will teach you those new skills, as well as providing this awesome food that you're going to be able to eat. They send you a box each week. It's got all the things pre-proportioned. What you need: the veggies, the meat, the pastas, the rice. It's all pre-proportioned. There's no waste. There's no time of you going around. Oh, I need to go to this. Um, Asian grocery store because I need to buy my ketchup manis. I need to go to the um, need to go to the uh, deli because I need to buy you know, chicken thighs. I need to go to the market because I need fresh bok choy. No, Blue Apron saves you that time and sends it all to you, and there's no wastage. That is the best way that you can go about producing restaurant quality meals in your own home. And if you sign up to Blue Apron now, you can get yourself three free meals. And I'll tell you how you can do it in a sec. But I want to talk about the, the meals that they've got coming up uh, the next week. Lemongrass burgers with cabbage slaw. That sounds pretty good with sriracha, mayonnaise, and pickled carrots. I like the sound of that quite a bit. And sugar snap pea risotto, or as uh, you guys in the States would call it, risotto. I call it risotto because I'm uh, I'm an Aussie that has to just make sure every sound, every consonant gets really softened. So instead of risotto, it just becomes risotto. Well, no, it doesn't. It becomes risotto. It just becomes very quick and squished together. But it's the same thing. I love risottos. I eat them all the time. And this one here looks fantastic. Sugar snap peas over there, I believe, because you're, head- you're heading into spring. You know, all that stuff is coming into season. So that looks absolutely beautiful. So if you want to take advantage of this great deal, head across to blueapron.com slash L-O-F-B. Make sure you use that slash L-O-F-B because it takes you to the site that's specific for this podcast. And you go there and sign up, you get yourself three free meals. Again, these meals are fantastic, great quality food, and you get three of them for free, and it's a great way to support the podcast. So head across to blueapron.com, check out this week's menu, but do it at blueapron.com slash L-O-F-B. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. Go to blueapron.com slash L-O-F-B. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. All right, let's uh, let's crack into these games now and talk about them. The two games that actually did go down on Monday, the first one of those, Indiana and Cleveland, there was a lot to sort of digest in this game. The little dog, Glenn Robinson III, returned for Indiana. And as I'd sort of been expecting, Aaron Brooks was removed out of the rotation. We had Monte Ellis and Lance Stevenson handle the backup point guard role. Little dog only played the nine minutes, so he's not impacting too much. And that sort of takes over the seven minutes that Brooks played in the last game. But with Jeff Teague hurting his wrist... My name is Jeff. Um, ...on... And as John, who's watching this live, mentions a, a, a ridiculous... That wasn't a ridiculous call because it was the right call, but ridiculous that people attempt these you know, to try and draw charges. That absolutely infuriates me. 
It's not playing defense. It's not contesting shots. It's waiting until a guy is just about in the air and you just slide under him and stand there. Now, Love got... He got a charge on one of them, and he got called for blocking on two of them, and it should be blocking every time. Unless you're legitimately standing there for like two seconds and someone just barrels into you, then it's a block. You can't wait until someone's just about to put their final foot down before taking off for a dunk and then just do the quick slide in underneath and, and say, oh, I'm outside the charge circle. doesn't matter. It just causes injuries. It's it's a, It's not a good tactic. You're not contesting any shot. You're not actually trying to stop the person. You're just trying to, again, use the rules to your advantage it just feels cheap, and I, and I'm not a fan of it at all. But that's how Teague hurt his wrist. So if he happens to miss time, you're going to see more Aaron Brooks in these games moving forward. Paulie George was great, 32-8-7 on 50% shooting. He's also 100% on calling out his teammates after the game. CJ Miles in game one, Lance Stevenson in this one. Let's see if George can keep up 100% strike rate of calling out his teammates throughout this series. I'm going to bet yes. We'll see how that goes, though. And Miles Turner was atrocious. He did it defensively. He had a steal and three blocks, which is nice, but three of 10 shooting for six points and five boards. He struggled. He didn't score until halfway through the third quarter. This is not a good matchup for, um, uh, not a good matchup for, for Miles here at all in this, in this, uh, series against Cleveland. I don't like it for him. And I've, I've mentioned that a couple of times when, when doing the preview part. As for Jeffy Teague, 23, four and four, that was a good night for him. He was continually getting roasted on defense, uh, with, uh, by Kyrie. Offense, he was getting it done. And if you want to speak about getting roasted, Lance Stevenson was getting killed by Irving. And then for that inexplicable portion of the third quarter, he was switched onto Kevin Love. And Love just kept going at him and at him and at him. And Nate McMillan just wouldn't make a change. It's nonsensical to have Stevenson on Love in the first place, let alone for five, six, seven consecutive possessions when he just is getting beaten up every single time that they go down there. And it takes a game that was close to being a, a sizable margin. This loss is is on Nate McMillan for just questionable decision making. Now, as for Lance, he played 26 minutes. He had 13, two and four with two steals. He's going to stay in this sizable role, I would imagine, moving forward. While Monte Ellis, he just looks done. And this is what I talked about with him about two months ago, and then he started to reinvent himself. But he's not a starter. He, he works better in the bench role as a scorer because he, he just isn't anything in this um in this starting job. 25 for Monte, 2, 2, and 3, while Thaddeus Young had the 6 steals and 16 points, a really good night for him, and he can do some nice things here against this Cleveland team. Speaking of Cleveland, J.R. Smith lasted just 18 minutes until he was out with a hamstring injury. He was not happy about being pulled out of the game. It's uh, not a serious injury from all um, all indications, and J.R. reckons he's going to be right to go for, for Game 3. But interestingly, when Smith went out, he, he was terrible. He only had three points. He's just only going to be a, a GPP guy if he plays at all. He just is not consistent enough. But with him out, we saw Iman Shumpert make his first appearance of the playoffs. He was a DMPCD in Game 1, which was odd in itself, and then he didn't play at all in the first half. He started the second half. He ended up playing 20 minutes in the second half, so basically played the entire half. Had five points. He's not a good fantasy contributor, but he had a steal and he was fantastic defensively. So that sort of outburst from Shumpert makes me think that he's going to get some minutes here moving forward, whether that's at the expense of Dick Jefferson or JR goes from 35 or 36 down to 29 and Cole Corver drops down to 10 minutes or Darren Williams plays 10. I'm not sure, but you would have to think that Shumpert has played himself into the rotation here moving forward. LeBron had a ridiculous game, 25-10 and 10 with 7 assists, 4 steals, and 4 blocks. Just 
a huge, huge performance from LeBron. While Love had 27 and 11, and Kyrie had 37, 2 and 2 with four triples. All three of those guys, LeBron had the lowest field goal percentage, 55%. They weren't missing anything. Love took seven shots. He hit six, and this is what I mean. He was just roasting um, Lance Stevenson continually. Got to the line 12 times, hit all 12 of them. It was a masterful performance from those Cavs guys. Tristan Thompson was key on the boards with his 10 boards and two blocks. A a decent outing there. As I mentioned before, he was in that perfect lineup as a center because he he did enough and enabled you to get some of those other high-priced guys in at other positions. The second game of the night was Memphis and San Antonio. The Spurs got out to a huge, huge lead. Um, They were up by 26 points in the second quarter. Then inexplicably, the Grizzlies got it back to four points in the third quarter before the Spurs ran away with it, 96-82 in the end. The Grizzlies again persisted with Wayne Seldon as a starting shooting guard. It's ridiculous. There is no need for it. And you can give him a Keith Bogan start and play him five minutes, but that's not what they were doing. They were playing him 25 minutes, 27 minutes in that first game, and he was on track for something similar here in game two until Fisdale at halftime went, we're not doing this anymore. Seldon, you're out. And he started Jim Ennis, and lo and behold, I'm not saying it's all because of Jim, but it's a part of it, because Seldon shouldn't be playing at all. Like, full stop, he shouldn't play. I would imagine that Sel- uh, that Ennis starts the next game. They also made a change and started Zach Randolph over Jermichael Green in that second half, because Green has been dreadful in these two games. He's not even getting 20 minutes a night. He's really struggling. I wouldn't be 100% convinced that Randolph is going to start the next game, but I wouldn't be stunned if that's the case. But I would be I would be shocked if Selden starts next game because it's ter- he should not be playing. He should not be in the rotation at all, let alone playing 25-plus minutes. Conley had 24 points. He had eight assists, four triples, a huge night from him. While Gasol wasn't as great as the first game. In fact, he was a little bit disappointing, just 27% shooting for Marc Gasol. 12-6-3 with two steals. Not his best night, but he will be better. Um, Vincey Carter had 12 points in 33, did nothing else, but the 33 minutes are nice, and at his cheap price, he's going to continue to be a, a GPP type of an option, while Zebo 18 and 10 with three steals and played 36 minutes, I would expect much more of this from Randolph moving forward, especially when they go home to Memphis for game three. As for Ennis, he only played the 26, but seven and eight with two assists and two steals. For that really cheap price that Ennis was at, that's totally fine. We saw that in the perfect lineups that, that he was in there. Andy Harrison played 23 minutes, 2-2-4, two, two and four, while Troy Daniels just the seven minutes there. And I talked about Jermichael Green. He played 15 and had three and five. You're going to be getting a lot more Randolph and a lot more Ennis, I believe, moving forward with this team. Onto the Spurs. Kawhi was masterful, 37 and 11. And he went to the line 19 times and hit all 19 of them. That is a, a huge amount, 64% from the field as well. Well, Danny Green got his three-point shooting going. 12 points, all from beyond the line. So four triples for Dan with a block. And Tone Parker, the offensive resurgence from from Tone, 15-3 and three with three triples in his 24 minutes. LaMarcus Aldridge, not really doing much in this one. 11 in 42 minutes, and he was definitely lost in that second half. And uh, weirdly, The Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman, just, he's just not playing. 10 minutes, two and four, eh, that's not good. Neither was Pat Mills, who had five in 24 minutes. And um, Powell had 10 and 5 in, tw- in in 30. So really, it was Kawhi carrying this team. It was a Tone Parker offensive reser- resurgence. But no one else was really spectacular, which I give should give the Spurs a level of confidence as well moving forward. Not in this series, but moving forward. that you know, They ended up winning comfortably. They were ahead by a significant amount. 
and they still didn't have big Aldridge contributions or a huge Pau Gasol night or, or anything, or Yamanu went scoreless in his 19 minutes. I think the Spurs should be you know, relatively... Um, Relatively happy with that. They won't like the fact that they let the Grizzlies back into the game and we had that massive run where they outscored them, I think, by nine in that, uh, in that third quarter and then you know, pushed forward into the fourth as well. But they, they, they steadied, they got the victory and, you know, they, these guys weren't at their best necessarily through, uh, through most of the game. Um, but Kawhi was just a, an absolute monster as we, uh, as we saw. All right, let's transition into talking about Tuesday's games. Now, for DFS, there are three of them on on Tuesday. The first one of those is the Milwaukee Bucks. They are taking on the Toronto Raptors. The The Raptors are favored by 7.5, and, and we've got a low total of 193. It's actually not a high total day in the NBA. The three games have got totals of 193, 195.5, and 205.5, and which is the Bulls-Boston game. So we're not talking about a day when the Rockets are playing or the Warriors are playing, and it's a 220 over-under. The um the one ninety three is low, but it's not one ninety three versus two twenty. It's one ninety three versus two oh five. So yes, it's still twelve the difference, but it's not thirty the difference. And that is that is a, a difference, of course. Clearly you can work out numbers. That first game, Serger Barker is listed as probable with an ankle issue. I don't think there's any need to be concerned about that whatsoever. Let's talk about the point guard matchup. Kyle Lowry was uh hopeless in that first game. And consequently, he's had his salary drop significantly on Fangio. He is down to $7,600. That's a $1,000 price drop. Yes, he was bad in the last game. Yes, he was bad in the first round of the playoffs last year. But at $7,600, despite the negative matchup against the uh, Bucks, I don't have an issue with using Lowry there. I think that he has got bounce back written all over him here. And that price reduction is really helpful. Now, on DraftKings at 7900 he falls down the list in terms of point guards that I would want to use. But on uh, on Fangel at seventy six, that's very very cheap, and it's a it's a reactionary price cut. And I think that you know, getting forty out of Kyle Lowry is not a crazy thought at this point. I like Brogo at fifty six hundred. He played thirty four minutes in that first game, put up twenty seven. It is Jason Kidd, so weird things can happen. But I would think that you're getting thirty four out of Brogdon, thirty four minutes out of Brogdon at least, which should enable him to to approach thirty points, and that makes him a viable option. Corey Joseph is playing minutes. He's not doing a, a great amount with them, averaging seven points over the last three. He had 27 in that game, one 27 minutes, and had seven points. Now, he can be better than that, and at 3,700 for a guy that's going to get 25-plus minutes, I, I don't 100% dislike it. I don't, I don't, I, I dislike Matty Delavadova more at 3,700, the, um, the same price. I would rather take Joseph over Delavadova, but I think that Delhi could get, uh, get close to 30, as we saw in the last game from him again. At shooting guard, DeMar DeRozan, 8,300. No problem with that. I think that's a, a solid pick. Again, there's, we don't have a huge amount of... We don't have any real high-priced shooting guards out there. I've got Yanni, I suppose, on Fangio. He's listed as a shooting guard, but there's no Jim Harden out there to take that away. So you know, DeMar at 8,300 is a fine way to go if you don't want to go the cheap shooting guard route. Um, I think he feels pretty solid at that price. He's a decent cash play. And, and, and you know, a decent tournament guy, but not, not spectacularly good for tournaments. He comes in at 8,000 on DraftKings, so pretty, uh, pretty tasty over there as well. As for Yanni, 10,700 for Adedokumpo. I don't love it for cash. Yeah, I just think that, you know, getting 50 out of him, it's a definite possibility. But we've seen over the last two, 
three months of the season that he's just been a 45 guy rather than a 55 guy and that can make a difference when you might be able to extract that extract that value out of other players so at 10,700 he's got the ability to go for 75 we know that and that's what makes him a great tournament play but at, at that sort of price I'm not totally on board with uh, with other decompo on the road being a being a cash play at that sort of a salary he's at 10-3 on DraftKings and, and I have the same feelings about him over there except that he plays different positions at small forward, Chrissy Middleton is at 5,900, has struggled to get to that level of value, 6,000 on DraftKings as well, but I do think that he is, he is going to turn this around and he's not going to shoot as poorly as he did in game one. He shot, I think, like 15% or 20% in that game one and still had 28 points. So if he hits you know, three more shots, which is not that hard when you miss so many, at 5,900, he, he smashes through that value. So I do like him. He's at six on DraftKings. Uh, similar feeling. I think he's a pretty strong play to use here. PJ Tucker at 3,700. Yeah, he's going to play minutes, but I'm just not convinced in his stat producing abilities. He's okay, but he's not a strong, not a strong play to me. I would rather take a punt on Tone Snell at 3,900. He's more likely to get hot and go on one of those six three or seven three weird runs that he goes on and score 25 points on 80% shooting. That's what Tone Snell can do. He can also throw up. Zero is very commonly, but his ceiling is way higher than PJ Tucker's. So that's in a tournament, that's the way you should be looking at it. And I think that's the way you want to look at Tone Snell here. I don't think you want to really pay any attention to Beasley or Toledovic or to Damari Carroll. At Power Forward, Surge is at $6,000, a significant price rise after his game one where he dropped 41 points. $6,000 is still not terribly much for Rebarker. 58 on DraftKings. I've got no problem with considering him an option there at, at Power Forward, especially when your other higher price Power Forward options are guys like your Derek Favors or um, Blake Griffin in Los Angeles, guys that I don't have as much confidence in them reaching their value as I do with Serge Barker. At center, Valanciunas at 5,000. I don't think this is going to be his series. So I'll have to pass on that one. Uh, Thon McCurr at 3,600. Looked good in the second half of the last game, Thon, but I don't think that he's going to necessarily play enough minutes for that to be um, all that interesting for, for any of us really playing this um, playing this slate. And uh, and Greggy Munro at 5,900. Monster in the first one, 3,600. But at 5,900, I'm not there. But at 52 on DraftKings, I am. He had 39 in game one. And at 5,200, that's a huge return. And I feel pretty good about him getting 28 points or so. We saw Jason Kidd run an 11-man first half rotation. But he then trimmed it down in the second half and played just eight guys until the last two minutes when the game was out of control. So we saw no Spencer Hawes, we saw no Mirza Toledovic, we saw no Mick Beasley in that second half. So we, um, yeah, there is a, there is a chance that Munro could play 30, 32 minutes if he's going to excise Hawes and Toledovic and Beasley completely from the rotation, and, and that's going to make Munro at 5,200 especially a uh, a very interesting guy for us to uh, to have a look at. Let's move to the next game now. We've got Chicago. And the Boston Celtics, the uh, Boston Celtics are favored by seven, and the total is 205 and a half points. Isaiah Thomas is playing. There was some doubt about his sister's funeral, but he will be playing in this game. Um, the Celtics obviously want to get this victory back after giving up game one. Let's talk about point guards first, and let's talk about Isaiah. 8,500, he put up 44 in game one with all that grief hanging over his head. 
I think that he is totally fine to go back to. I'm not sure that he's really a great tournament play because I'm not sure of how big the actual upside is, but I've got no problem with using Thomas in either cash or or tournaments. I think he's a he's a pretty rock solid guy. Rajon Rondo, six thousand six hundred. That's a six hundred dollar price rise over on Fangio. At six thousand, I was into him. At sixty six hundred, I'm not. I don't. I don't really see it for Rondo. Um, he had some foul issues. He had some poor play early on. He put up some numbers still, but with Butler and Wade there to handle the ball and the emergence of Jaron Grant, I'm not sure that Rondo is 100% to stick to big minutes. You know, Hoiberg can flip-flop pretty quickly, so I don't like Rondo at that increased salary that we're looking at him at. And 68 on DraftKings, the same. I'm not I'm not interested in that whatsoever. I don't think Jaron Grant's really a great play here at 3,800, but if for some reason they decide that Rondo's out after two minutes and go with Grant, it's a really long shot, then Grant's going to be interesting. But no. Avery Bradley at 5,700, decent performance in game one. is very similar to Chris Middleton to me, where he's just been consistently under where he needs to be in terms of production levels. But I do feel like it's going to come, and I think that this could be one for him here. So I like Avery at that sort of a price tag. Marcus Smart at 5,900. The minutes are there for Marcus, but I'm not I'm not interested in him at 5,900. Um, on uh, on DraftKings at 5,000, I am. I think that he can, even in a role when Thomas and Bradley are both playing, I think that Smart can exceed $5,000 worth of value, no problems whatsoever. So I do like him over on DraftKings. And Dwayne Wade at 66, that's another $600 price rise. And the same thing as Rondo. I liked him at 6,000. It was all right. But at 66, I'm not really uh, not really interested in Wade at that sort of a price tag. At small forward, we've got Jim Butler at $10,000. He didn't have a good game in game one. Put up 44 points. I'm I'm fine with using Jim here at 44. I think uh, sorry at 10,000. I think it's a really strong play. He's at 10,000 on both sides. That's one of the guys that you're looking at to spend some of that extra cash if you've got it around and feel pretty good about him getting at least 45. You would expect on most nights. As for Jay Crowder at 58, he has struggled mightily against the Bulls, just 18 in the first game, 17 over his last three against Chicago. Only be looking at a tournament play, but even then, I reckon there are going to be better options around. At power forward, Nikola Miritich at 4,700. Nobody is going to roster Miritich because he put up 9.8 in game one and Bobby Portis went off. But let me assure you of something. Bobby Portis is not shooting 80% again in game two. It's not happening. And Miritich probably, he might, but he probably won't shoot 11%. Miritich is going to start again, and barring another weirdly fluky Bobby Portis offensive production night, Miritich is going to play 28 minutes. And at 4,700, if he plays 28 minutes, he smashes that. So I do like Miritich at that price. It's a big salary drop that's very reactionary after that game. 4,900 for him over on DraftKings. Now, the Rondo, Wade, Butler, Miritich lineup doesn't suit him because it does force him into being a spot-up shooter, which is not what his strengths are, despite what Hoiberg might think. So that does give me some level of pause, but I also don't think that he's going to be as bad as he was, and I don't think he's going to play as few minutes as he did in Game 2. I think you're going to be pushing him back to 27, 28, and that should make him a fairly good bet to beat that sort of a level of uh, production that's needed. As for Portis at 5,000, well, they've bumped him to 5,000. That's a big bump. Um, again, I don't expect Portis to put up those numbers really ever again, but the temptations there, I would I would resist that temptation. Robin Lopez at 5,100, I think that's totally fine. I think it's a really solid cash play at 5,100. Really got no problem with that. 51 on DraftKings as well. I like it. Whereas Al Horford's at 7,100. He had 37 in game one. 
solid night for him. I don't think there's much tournament upside in Al Horford, and I would probably rather spend less on Robin Lopez and then go up to Jim Butler in the other spots, or a Chris Paul or Isaiah Thomas or Kyle Lowry at my point guards, rather than spend the seven on Al Horford, but he's but he's far from a write-off, obviously. While Kelly Olynyk was a nice little cheap option, 26 points at 4,400 is good, but I also don't think that um, we can rely upon Kelly Olynyk at all, or we can rely upon Brad Stevens to give consistent minutes to Kelly Olynyk. More, more to the point, the Utah Jazz and the Los Angeles Clippers is the last game of the night. The uh, Clippers are favored by nine. Rudy Gobert has been ruled out already, and the total is 195.5. Don't be surprised if we don't see Gobert for the rest of this week. That would be my expectation. But at this point, all they've done is ruled him out of game two. At point guard, Chris Paul, 9,200. He had 55 in game one, so obviously that's a big performance from Chris. It's still a game where it is a lower pace game, but without Gobert around, driving into the lane is not as fearsome as what what it once was. And Paul did thrive in that game one environment, so he is totally okay at 9,200. I wouldn't be locking him into cash at that sort of a salary. I feel like if you're spending that much, Jim Butler at 10,000, it's probably a safer way to spend that money, but he's still fine. Georgia Hill at 57. Yeah, not really. Not really loving that. The Chris Paul defense is a bit of a, what's a significant factor for me for George Hill there. Shelvin Mack and Ray Felton, I don't think there's much to see. JJ Redick at 4,200, criminally underused in game one, only 27 minutes, and they were playing Jamal Crawford over him, which should never happen. He's at 4,200, Jamal, not Jamal, JJ. He is a tournament-only option, though. He has been very up and down with what he has done. Same with uh, Crawford, who's a $3,500 guy and put up 10 points in that first game. So piss-poor performances from those guys. Um, Where are we? Oh, yeah, Rod Hood, Rocket at 3,900. I just don't really feel anything there for him. Gordy Haywood at 7,300, sort of burst through the Marmute curse, I guess, in the last game, but wasn't spectacular. 33 points is not really doing a huge amount for us DFS-wise, and Mamute could get back on top of him, so I'm not really interested there in Gordo. Same with with Luke at at the uh, 3,600. Now, Luke is at 2,800 over on DraftKings, and that's where it does come become a little bit interesting. At 2,800, if he puts up, he's, he's averaging 20 points across the last three games. 20 points, 3,800, you know, or well, 2,800, sorry, I think you're pretty happy. I wouldn't be locking him in to do that. He had just 13 in game one, but he did play 36 minutes. And in those minutes, you know, some opportunities are going to come Marmute's way. So at 2,800, don't discount him. He is one of the better, cheaper options that is out there on the entire slate of games. Jinglin Joe at 41 and Joe Johnson at 46. I'm not really feeling either of those. Joe Johnson was great in game one, and he gets a bump with Gobert out because it pushes favors across to the five, and we'll see more go more um, Joe Johnson at the four. I don't think he'll be as good as he was in game one where he scored 31 points on the court and had 36 FanDuel points. But at 4,600, he is worth a tournament look to me. Derek Favors at 5,200, I'm in for that. He'll play some center. That should boost his rebounding, his field goals, um, and his block shots. We saw him play the minutes. He was bothered by fatigue, but he played those minutes. The knee was fine. I've got no problem with 5,200 on Derek Favors. I think it's a good spot. He's 53 on DraftKings, so less interested, but still pretty interested. While Blakey Griffin, 86 on FanDuel, is not that great. 76 on DraftKings for, for Blake, I really do like that. I think that's that's a really low price. He didn't have the best game one, but he still had 39 points. And 39 points at 7,600 is a fairly good performance. I think that Blake has got you know, 40-point upside here fairly clearly, despite the matchup being... Uh, a decent negative 
Boris Diaw will get some extra run. So he's at 4,100, maybe if you're feeling saucy, but I don't think you should feel that saucy ever. DeAndre Jordan at 7,700. He doesn't have the Gobert factor to deal with. He's at 77. I like it. He's at 7,000 at DraftKings. I really like that. That is a superb price. He had um, 37 in game one. Fantastic. Easily got a chance to go here over 40. No, really, really like that for um for DeAndre Jordan. And Jeff Withy at 4,500, maybe. But the answer to that is probably not. All right. That's it, guys. We're done for today's podcast. Short and sharp in these playoffs. Quick reviews, quick discussion. It's not even that quick. It's just there's not that there's not that much to talk about because there aren't that many games on. Good luck with everything. Subscribe to this podcast on YouTube. You can subscribe on YouTube, but do it on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on TuneIn as well, and leave a review. It is very helpful when you do that. And don't forget to check out our sponsor, Blue Apron. Go to blueapron.com slash L-O-F-B to get yourself three free meals. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. See ya.